This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, Spencer Linton, and live from Connecticut, Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is indeed live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, and as Ben Bagley just mentioned, live from Bubbleville in Connecticut, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Tuesday, December 1st, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy currently uh, hanging out on the other coast who makes every Saturday a super Saturday. His name is Jerem Jordan. I sure wish that was true. It's not the case. But that is the case coming up Saturday, December 12th. We're excited to announce we got some times for shows and games, extended pre- and post-game shows. So let's walk through the Super Saturday that will be Saturday, December 12th, now that we know the football game time with San Diego State. It starts with women's basketball, 2 Eastern against Boise State. BYU football top 100 plays, baby, 4 Eastern. Cannot wait for that one. Countdown to tip-off. Basketball pregame show, 5 Eastern, extended hour-long edition, getting ready for BYU and Utah at 6 Eastern, live on BYU TV, by the way. Uh, extended hour-long postgame show, also with the Utah game. We'll have the second screen experience. So the game's on BYU TV, BYU Radio. Tyler Haas and I will be on a BYU TV uh, app stream as well. Obviously a postgame show there. Countdown to kickoff coming up at 9 Eastern after that. And then the football game. And then the postgame show. So it is a busy but awesome day on Saturday, December 12th. I cannot wait. And then we're also excited to announce that BYU TV will pick up four more non-conference men's basketball games. Boise State on December 9th at 9 Eastern. That'll be a big one. Utah, I just mentioned, that's the 6th Eastern on December 12th. Texas Southern, December 21st at 9 Eastern. And Weber State, live from Vivint Smart Home Arena in Salt Lake City on December 23rd at 7 Eastern. So... A lot of programming notes here, but we are very excited about the month of December. Welcome to December, baby. Yeah, all sports, all Saturday, December 12th. We're going to be busy in the month of December, and we could not be happier about it. How about today's show lineup? Speaking of busy, it's game day in Bubbleville for BYU men's basketball. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, will join us. Where BYU has an advantage or advantages over USC. Plus, Top 5 Tuesday featuring the top five plays of the BYU basketball season thus far. And will the college football playoff committee have BYU in the top 12 tonight? Will there indeed be some course correcting? Bring on today's BYU Sports Station headlines. It's a ball day as the BYU Cougars play the USC Trojans this afternoon here in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun. Pre-game begins on BYU Radio at 1.30 Eastern with Jason Shepard, Greg Bell, and Mark Durant. Game also on ESPN2. Head coach Mark Pope says the Trojans pose issues. The thing that stands out when you watch the film on this team out of their first, first two games is one through five, they really pass the ball exceptionally well, and they're a dangerous offensive team. USC is 59th in Ken Palm, BYU 79th. Cougars have a 38% chance to win, according to Ken Palm. But Vegas says BYU by three and a half. Hey, tonight, as we just mentioned, the College Football Playoff Committee will release the second poll of this strange 2020 season. 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 Mountain on ESPN. The Cougars, maybe you've heard, currently at number 14, well below their AP ranking of number eight. Will BYU jump? If so, how much? We find out tonight. 
The Athletics' Dane Brugler has Zach Wilson going second in his latest NFL mock draft that was put out yesterday. Second! How about that? To the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is the highest draft uh, mock draft spot for Zach Wilson yet. Second. That'd be the highest draft pick in BYU history. Pretty incredible. BYU women's basketball sophomore standout also incredible. Shaylee Gonzalez back from her season-ending knee injury a year ago. All she does is get named the WCC Player of the Week in week number one. This marks the second time she has received the award in her BYU career. And uh, it won't be the last. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Jerem, the non-conference schedule for BYU basketball is about to heat up. A big six games in a row, starting with USC today, followed by St. John's. Then BYU goes on the road to Logan and Utah State, only to take on Boise State, then Utah, then San Diego State. Holy cow, there's a ton in front of BYU. What does BYU's non-conference record after all is said and done need to be for a comfortable foundation in the at-large selection conversation. Yeah, it's a good discussion. BYU is going to play 11 non-conference games, 3-0. and Obviously, BYU should beat Texas Southern and Weber State to get to at least five. So I'm thinking 8-3 and three would be a good spot. If BYU is 9-2 or better, they're in a really good spot. And that's assuming that BYU plays pretty well in WCC play. Of course, it used to be 18 games. Gonzaga wanted it to be 16 games, so that's what it is in league play. If BYU can do something like 13-3, and 12-4, and four, I, I think they'll be in a pretty good position. But it does depend on who BYU beats and where. BYU does need some quad one wins. San Diego State, you'd think, it will be a quad one opportunity. And then outside of that, USC and St. John's, we're hoping that these, being neutral games, they need to be in the top 50 on Selection Sunday to be a quad one game. So USC and St. John's are kind of quad two-ish right now, but it's early. We'll see how these two teams play out. They're quad one names, which matters to the committee, but they might be quad two games. So root for the Trojans and root for the Red Storm to do well this year. I'm thinking eight and three would be good. Boise State's better than you think. Utah and Utah State, BYU's probably better than those teams. Uh, Utah State's still a little TBD, but when they lost to South Dakota State by 24, it was like, okay, South Dakota State's one of those 13 seeds that beats a four-type team. But that's a game where you go, whoa, is Utah State way worse with Sam Merrill? I, I thought they were still going to be good, and I think they will be, but how good's the question? Well, and Utah State and Logan is an entirely different conversation, so that will be a tough game for BYU. And, Jeremy, I just think because there are fewer opportunities for BYU to impress, I don't know that they, that they can afford three losses. So I have BYU, if they want to feel comfortable in non-conference, they probably have to go 9-2 and two because BYU is going to get Boise State at home. They're going to get Utah at home. they got to either beat Utah State or San Diego State on the road, and then BYU probably has to split in Connecticut win out the remainder of the non-conference to go 9-2 and two to feel comfortable. That, this isn't the end-all, be-all, per se, because BYU plays in the West Coast Conference, and they're going to be playing Gonzaga two, maybe three times, St. Mary's two, maybe three times. So there will be opportunities in the WCC, but if we're talking strictly non-conference to feel comfortable moving into the at-large selection, yeah, probably 9-2. and two. And I think... Even though BYU, according to Ken Palm, will be an underdog in the next six games, which is just wild, I feel like they'll come out on top in the majority. So I have it at 9-2, and two, pretty close to you. You're at 8-3 and three before BYU really gets things going in West Coast Conference play. 
Yeah, and he's uh, Ken Palm's got BYU as a 63% chance to beat Boise State. He added it today. He didn't have it on there yesterday. Oh, okay, so okay. That'll be interesting. And, and Mark Pope said this is the kind of schedule that gets you fired. So we'll see how BYU does through these six games because it's certainly a new test. And, and BYU certainly impressed the first three games, winning by at least 22, shooting over 50%, ma- making 10 plus threes in all three games. That was exactly what BYU needed to do. The only real uh, you know, mark there was Gavin Baxter's injury. Just a real bummer on everything BYU is doing because he wasn't a dude that was coming off the bench that could be good. He was a starter. They loved him. And he was so unselfish in what he did last year, uh, coming back for those seven games, helping BYU beat Gonzaga. And here we are. He would have matched up nicely with the Mobley brothers tonight against USC. Oh, no question. BYU is going to miss his athleticism, his length. Fortunately, they have a rich of height and size. I mean, it's, it's just they, it's an entirely different dynamic <laughs> compared to last year when you have Matt Harms. Uh, there at seven three and Richard Harward, and hopefully um, Colby Lee can continue to play well. Are we Colby Leavers this year? We all were last year. How much will his role increase with Gavin Baxter out as well? So uh, the BYU depth being tested early, but man, it, these games in Connecticut specifically back to back days. If we're talking about getting to eight and three, nine and two, these feel extra big because I like BYU's chances at home against Boise State and Utah. And I like their chances in Logan against Utah State based on what we've seen from the Aggies. But these neutral site games, because we don't know a ton about USC and St. John's specifically, man, these feel huge tonight. Yeah, and being on ESPN2 is a big deal as well, right? Uh, So BYU has a chance tonight to impress, and let's hope they do it because here we are in Bubbleville. BYU with an opportunity to say, hey, we're still good from last year despite losing Childs, Toulson, and Haas, USC, St. John's, Utah State. I think this is the biggest week of the season. I really do. I think this week will go a long ways in determining whether BYU has an at-large shot or not. Okay, topic two. We find out the week two rankings from the College Football Playoff Committee tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm not particularly looking forward to it like I was last week. Will there be any kind of correction from the committee tonight relative to BYU? There won't be correction. But BYU will jump a spot thanks to the Northwestern Wildcats losing to Michigan State. So while the committee won't necessarily course correct, they will have some latitude to move BYU up a spot so it won't feel as egregious as last week. I anticipate that BYU will come in at number 13, just outside number 12, because who else are the Cougars going to jump? Iowa State, had they lost to Texas? then maybe BYU's in at 12. And again, the committee, well, they can course correct, but only because two teams above BYU lost. Only one above BYU lost. Northwestern is going to fall down to around number 14. And everybody behind BYU pretty much lost or didn't play. 15, 17, and 19 all lost. 16 and 18 didn't play, Jerem. So is certainly not going to drop. They will rise one spot. But because Iowa State won and Indiana won, and Georgia won convincingly, there's just not much room for BYU to move up. It, I would be shocked if BYU supplanted somebody else above them that won a game when BYU was not playing. BYU didn't play a game. So number 13 is where I think the Cougars will show up tonight. Yeah, I'll be shocked if BYU's not 13. The only thing I could see where BYU moves up to 12 is if the committee says, okay, Indiana, I know you won but you lost Michael Penix Jr. to an ACL tear, and so you're just not as good. 
So maybe that's one where BYU gets into 12. Kind of like they did with BYU once Luke Staley uh, broke his leg. They were like, hey, we respect your undefeated record, but your best player's out or your second best player, so you're not going to make the Fiesta Bowl. Sorry. Um, I, I want to... Uh, you know, BYU was told that. I, I wish it, there was a letter or something when we had that letter. We could put it in the SAB and, like, light it on fire or something. But, <laughs> I, I, yeah, 13 is what it's going to be. It's going to be that prime number, and we're still going to be disappointed. BYU has to play a game to have a shot to – had BYU played a game and won, maybe there was a chance, maybe, that you, you could say 12, right? And, and you can look at other numbers. In, in order for BYU to rise up more – the com- besides, the only thing BYU can control is playing and winning. And to some degree, BYU doesn't even control if they play. <laughs> we thought that early in the season. That's not necessarily the case. It's like other teams and their conferences. The committee would have to admit, you know what, we've looked at some other things and we recognize this from BYU or we've devalued this. I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, Spencer. The men's basketball committee, we have an amazing insight into that process. Because Tom Homo was on the committee, we've talked to him, we've learned a lot about it. I feel like I understand that process way better. They have a team sheet. There's no team sheet in football. I wish that committee produced something where we could say, what exactly are you looking at? Because we don't know what exactly they're looking at or not looking at. And they clearly haven't watched BYU. And they're clearly only looking at strength of schedule and undefeated and going, meh, meh. Because last week, Ohio State's strength of schedule was only five away from BYU's, yet Ohio State's Ohio State, and I guess BYU's BYU. That's frustrating. Yeah, yes. The, when, when has the college football playoff committee or any sort of alliance, the Bowl Alliance, uh, the BCS, now the CFP committee, when have they ever been extra favorable and um, looked at BYU's whole resume, and, and they've been forgiving them. That's never happened. I don't know why I thought that this year would be different. Maybe because it's 2020 and BYU had played and won more games than anybody else in the college football playoff top 25. I thought it was going to be different. It's not. It's just not. Well, I, I feel like it's... No, we, we were right. No, we were right. Because everybody but the committee has validated what we said. Everybody. The, the AP poll, the coaches poll, a.k.a. the SID poll and all the national media that pays attention that we respect. All of them have been on BYU. Oh, hey, I, I feel I get validated sure. in the way we've thought. Sure, there's validation there. My point is I feel like the CFP committee is the mean girls. <laughs> and BYU's not invited. <laughs> They're not invited to the cool kids table. You know, Captain yeah. Regina is not feeling BYU, and uh, the Cougars didn't have the right outfit on. Like, it's just it's so That's stupid. such a good movie. It is a great That's movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> but I, I just feel like BYU is – they're not with the in crowd, and they never have been. And I thought maybe, and maybe might not this ever is the, be. Yeah, maybe this would be the year. If there ever was a year, 2020 was the year that BYU, because of all the national love, that they would finally be invited to the Cool Kids Club. Yet here the Cougars are on the outside of the top 12, and I think they'll be on the outside of the top 12 once again. One spot, but maybe in the millennium. Maybe so. Our question of the day, do you expect the college football playoff committee to correct their position on BYU this week and why? Let's go no. to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Grizzfather on Twitter, BYU will probably move up one or two spots because of 
how teams ahead have been played, but I don't expect anything higher than 12. The college football playoff committee isn't going to admit they were wrong. Of course they won't. And I think 12 is a reach. Who is going to be always a plant? Maybe, maybe Indiana because of what you pointed out, Jeremy, but I still doubt it. I think number 13 is where the Cougars land tonight. I love that Indiana's ranked higher than BYU in football. What the heck is that all With about? a loss. With okay, a loss, no, no doubt. Yeah. Would Zach Wilson being drafted second overall put him in my A-list in the BYU quarterbacks all time? Let's get back to our basketball conversation with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, who will join us live in Connecticut. Where does BYU have advantages over one of the Pac-12 powers, USC? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Coverage of BYU basketball against USC begins today on BYU Radio, 1.30 Eastern, little day game action. Join Jason Shepard, Mark Durant, Greg Rebels, and get ready for tip-off coming up at 2.30 on BYU Radio. Well, now joining me in the Mohegan Sun here in the room is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Greg, great to have you on the show, man. Here we are in Connecticut talking BYU hoops, bro. It is fantastic to be out here in Bubbleville. We're in Bubbleville, yeah. although we're not in the bubble. No, we're, bubble we're, uh, we're officially outside the bubble in Bubbleville. Yes. Yeah. So here we go. BYU's 3-0, three uh, uh, notable wins and how they played. Now they have a real test in USC. And this is, you know, Ken Palm differs on Vegas on how this is kind of going to go today. But I think this is a real challenge for BYU, especially up front. You know, uh, BYU is a long team, and the first few games, it's been, well, you know, there, there was a discernible size advantage for BYU. Yes, Utah Valley gave you Fardaz Mac, but that's one guy. Um, and, and USC is able to throw a ton of long guys at you. Um, yeah, they start 6'11", 7-foot with the Mobley brothers, and you can just start and finish right there. Uh, but those aren't the only guys. That said, it's relatively even in terms of, you know, tall guys versus tall guys. Both teams have, you know, five guys or 6'8", or taller right now. Would have loved to have that number be 6 for BYU with Gavin Baxter. And the USC does have another player that, that, that's tall, but he played five minutes against Montana, didn't play against Cal Baptist. So essentially five rotation guys. So I think there's a, there's a certain head-to-head component that looks, that looks almost like a wash right now. So I think you have to go to the guard line and see who does what you know, uh, well. And, and, and USC's a great penetrating team. Don't shoot a ton of threes. BYU relies less on penetration, more about spacing and threes. And so let's look there and see that BYU uh, has double-digit threes in every game this year. They had the 118-3 game, but even that said, they still had 21 in the other two. So they're averaging 13 threes a game. USC's averaging five-and-a-half threes a game. Now, it's only two games for USC, but you see a potential difference there. So if BYU can stay you know, relatively even up front and, and, and neutralize some of USC's pretty substantial advantage right now on the glass... Maybe three-point shooting becomes a difference in this game. I also look at the red letter or the red flag numbers for the Mobley brothers at the free-throw line. Yes, BYU's had its struggles at the free-throw stripe early this year. And yes, the bigs haven't shot it really well. But the Mobley brothers are the starting four and five and kind of superstar-type people. And they're shooting in the 30s and 40s from the free-throw line right now. And as I was talking with Coach Pope about that in our pregame interview, he said, yes, but, and the but is this. They rebound those missed free throws and create more points out of the ensuing possession than they get out of the free throws themselves. So missing isn't all bad. 
for USC right now because of how long they are and how good they are on the glass. So that's a fascinating thing, too, is, um, you know, those numbers that the Mobleys are shooting may not be a killer for USC. At least it hasn't been the way they've been rebounding. Another interesting facet of this whole thing. I mentioned the threes. That could be an advantage for BYU. Well, Cal Baptist made 20 threes and lost. And lost! How do you make 23s and be on the losing end? I think it happened only three times all of last year. It happened twice on opening night this year. Yeah, that that teams made 23s and didn't win the game. didn't win. Gee. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, yeah, obviously BYU is a team that can light it up, and Mm -hmm. we saw that in the first game. And it wasn't like three dudes made all the threes. It was a BYU record. Ten guys make a three. And that's a question I have, uh, you know, is the rotation. Mark Pope explored different rotations a lot. I wonder if he keeps it a lot tighter tonight in a bigger game where, like we talked about, hey, this is a resume-building opportunity tonight. Maybe, but that said, I mean, Jesse Wade can be a spark guy. Spencer Johnson can be a spark guy. Wyatt Lowell still getting it. He's not shooting a great number right now, but that'll come as he feels better. It's almost like, well, every guy you're talking, they can all contribute. And we don't know quite yet what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, mean. so I, I still think he's dealing with a, a really, um, you know, a, a, an abundance of riches right now. Uh, depending on situations, and uh, I, I think it's time for Matt Harms to start a game. You know, they gave him, they gave him, they gave him ten minutes plus. They gave him twelve and a half uh, against Utah Valley, and uh, and now he, he should he should settle into that starting role. And I, I think what you're going to see from BYU is a starting group that stays together for a while at this point. Um, I, he really really likes the combination of Loner and Harward coming off the bench together. He likes how they play off each other, the vibe that, 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 they, that they bring. And so um, he's got a couple of combinations he already favors, but I think, I, I think he likes Loner and Harward particularly being able to do it coming off the pine. Maybe Crazy and Chill is the nickname of those guys, Harward and Loner. I love the energy that Richard Harward brings. You mentioned the Mobley brothers. Isaiah White, that was Utah Valley's leading scorer last year. He yeah. plays for USC. A lot of transfers on USC, and too. And Tajidi, a guy. Yeah, Santa, Santa Clara. Yeah, but they've, they've got a Rice guy. They've, they've got, uh, um, you know, uh, college. They're, they're off from all over the place. They have a ton of transfers right now. The Mobley brothers are, you know, California products, and they're right there. But um, he's, he's kind of over. I think, well, I think uh, uh, of, of the 11 guys who scored points last year, nine are gone. And, and, and so um, it's a bit of a rebuild for a second straight year. Now, they're rebuilding because they, like, they lose lottery guys. You know? so, so Coach Andy Enfield is, is kind of in the same situation he was last year, you know, bringing only three, four guys back with experience. But it's a decent core, and, and uh, that's another uh, transfer, the one that just hit the three in the corner a moment ago, uh, Drew Peterson uh, out of Rice. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a team that you know, maybe could have made a little noise in last year's NCAA tournament. They finished 22-9, and um, and I think people were excited to see what they could have done had they gotten into the dance. So, uh, yeah, definitely a stiff challenge. Okay, let's talk about BYU's non-conference as a whole because all of a sudden you have St. John's tomorrow. That's a new game, right, uh, after Vanderbilt pulls out of this tournament with COVID. We talked about BYU's uh, 11 games. What record do you feel like BYU would need to feel comfortable on Selection Sunday from the non-conference? Yeah, I felt like uh, what you and Spencer talked about, 8-3, and 9-2. and two. It's right, right there in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's not always just you know, that you win it. It's how you win it. And I do think that Ken Palm's metrics uh, and others have gained a much stronger foothold with the committee. And so there's some stylistic things that are involved as well. And I think BYU's numbers already show well. You're only three games in, but, but the Cougars are in a good place in terms, of, uh, in terms of a number of key metrics right, right now. And they look to be you know, balanced and as deep as, 
a BYU team as we've seen. Um, you know, I'll be surprised if they're not really good this year. And how much better could they have been with Gavin Baxter? You think about? It? I mean, that's just. A, I don't want to think. I, about I, it, I don't want to think hurts. about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, again, it wasn't. It wasn't just a piece. It was a starter. Yeah. It was a long, jumpy, hyper-athletic starter. And and you know, where would you have been at that point? Think about all the different ways you could have, you could have combined Harms and Baxter and Colby and Lowell and Lowell. Right, I said I didn't want and, to talk and, about it. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great <laughs> problem to have, but it would have been a problem that I would have loved BYU to explore for more than just two games. So yeah. you feel terrible for Gavin. And, and uh, you know, as Coach, Coach Pope noted, it's time to start over again for him. He's done this before. Yep. Um, and I think he'll have a, a, a long career in terms of duration, unfortunately due to injury as well. But I still think many, many great days are ahead for him. And when he does come back, and he will come back, it'll just remind us of how fortunate BYU is to still have him in the program. Okay, big week for BYU. Uh, USC, St. John's, Utah State, all away from Provo. Okay, let's talk about Alex Barcelo. Certainly his role has changed. We knew this last year. Okay, he's going to become the point guard. It's going to be different. I don't know that I expected him to go for 19-plus and shoot 73% from three in the first three games. He's been better than I thought. What did you expect? Well, we, we already saw um, that, that the numbers he put up last year could be sustainable. I mean, he, he was a starter. He, he, he just was a complimentary guy. There was a big three, if you will, and he was the next guy. And he never really had to be, you know, the, the full load on the shoulders kind of player. But I really believed he was capable of it. And with the numbers translating, then it was only going to be a matter of volume. And if the volume is increased, then the productivity will increase. Because I think we saw a talented shooter that's going to stay a talented shooter. And so while the numbers right now are high because of, you know, earliness of the season, sample size being a little small. Look at the rebounds, by the way. And, yeah, and, and he's, um, he's doubled his boards right now, and, and I, I think he views himself as a, as, as a true, complete player. And uh, Coach Pope is clearly comfortable having him be the leader out there. And uh, I, I, I guess I'm not, you know, stunned that he's scored the way uh, he has because I really felt it was purely going to be a matter of volume, and we knew he'd get more shots. He just going to, clearly was going to get more shots. So uh, he's doing what I, I think we had hoped. And last year, I think his season high, meaning his BYU career high, was 18. He's been above that in every game so far this year. You look at the macro view of BYU basketball, and I tweeted this this morning. Wait a minute. BYU has transfers from Arizona, Purdue, Oklahoma State, Gonzaga. And if you count signed and then transfer, Cal and Utah. What Mark Pope and the staff have done is collected this group differently than, say, the previous year. More homegrown than Dave Rozier. Bureau's got some significant players from significant programs ready to prove themselves. And Alex Barcelo was a guy that barely played at Arizona. Now he's a 20-point game guy here. And I know you're looking at the bigger names you just mentioned, but right. then you throw in a trio of Utah Valley guys, which include a guy that was also at Oklahoma State, so he's part of that mix you're talking about. But the bottom line is the composition is such that you can, you can cast a wide net and, and still bring in a pretty good haul to a place like BYU with guys who want to be there for a lot of great reasons. And, 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 and that's very encouraging. Again, I think it's a sustainable model. Um, you don't have to just count on the kid that grew up thinking about BYU his entire life. Because look at the guys who are playing on this team right now that weren't in that mold. They weren't. They just didn't have BYU on the radar. And yet they're, they're, they're loving being at BYU and already key contributors here uh, you know, as part of the program. So uh, I, I, I like the model that, that Coach Pope is utilizing. And you know, his personality alone will attract people to, uh, you know, to him and to the program. And then you get to go to the finer points and, and get into the real details of why BYU is the right place for you. And fortunately, the Cougars have the goods there too. You know, they can show history, they can show tradition, they can show facilities, they can show stats, they can show tournaments, they can show all these things that serious basketball players, um, you know, will, will properly consider. 
And if, if you're, you know, and, and Matt Harms, I mean, never a thought in his mind, I'm sure. Uh, even as little as two years ago, growing up in uh, you know, <laughs> Netherlands, he's not so, thinking but here about he is, and, and he's like he's like poster boy for BYU right now. Uh, the way he talks about it, so really super encouraging, and and uh, the future is really bright. Zach Wilson's sort of an example of that as well, which brings yeah. us to tonight's uh, playoff ranking. Mm-hmm. What do you think BYU is going to come in at? I know you and Spencer talked about you know no more than one spot jump, maybe two at the max. Uh, but you know, hey, if, if the committee decides to like just maybe open the laptop this week. Um, <laughs> Maybe it goes higher than even that. Uh, Do this. I mean, open this. Again, everybody but them thinks higher of BYU than they do. So there's a real disconnect there. Um, And and this isn't just, you know, one or two, uh, you know, select sources. It's from all over the place who all use different measures in a way. Some people are purely eye tests. Some are just straight data. Some are, you know, SP plus and some are strength of resume. Yet everyone comes to the same conclusion. BYU is a top 10 team. Now, whether it's 7, 8, 9, 10, they're, they're, they're not 14, you know. So, so everyone else has already concluded it's a top 10 team except the committee of football people um, that, that just don't see it. So, again, if, if they decide to join the party um, that, Come on that, in. That, that, you know, involves everyone else saying, yeah, BYU's top 10, then you can see more than a one-spot correction. If they, if they simply decide to hold the course and say, no, we were right last week, and we're still right, and because one team lost, it's a one-team jump, well, then so be it. But honestly, they should be looking at a lot more than evidently they looked at last week. And if they do, you could see more than a one-spot jump because everyone else believes something about BYU the committee doesn't to this point. Do you think they will, though? We'll find out. I hope they do. I mean, I, 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 I think they're going to be it, pretty it would show. It would show um, and not just a humility, but, but an acknowledgement of what everyone else is seeing as viable uh, data. Um, yeah. you know, why is it not viable? I guess would be the argument. Why, why is it not important to look at what everyone else is looking at? So, you know, I guess I'm not holding out hopes necessarily, but it's a long way to climb from 14 to 10 if you're not playing games. Yes. And, and so you almost require somebody to, to course correct or adjust for them to, to get where they need to be. Yeah, fingers crossed, but not, not expecting it. Yeah. Well, Greg, we appreciate it. Uh, pregame's coming up uh, here in... i got to get down there. i got to find, my way, to get in, gotta yeah, find yeah. a way to get in the arena. Yeah, we're, yeah. what, two hours away from the game. <laughs> You're going to wander downstairs and uh, call the game. So we look forward to it on BYU Radio. Yeah, and I'll see you in a bit. Okay, All right. thanks. Greg Rebell here from Connecticut. Okay, coming up, what do we expect from the College Football Playoff Committee and uh, Chair Gary Barta and the crew with the new ranking? We'll discuss a little bit more. This is BYU Sports Nation from Provo and Connecticut. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Hey, get ready for tonight, or today's rather, BYU, I keep saying that, it's today. BYU-USC hoops game by watching BYU basketball with Mark Pope. If you missed it last night, it is on demand, and it's coming up right after us as well uh, tomorrow. But you can watch it on demand right now, if you so choose. Hey, you're not alone in the uh, tonight versus today error because I did the same thing early in the show, so don't feel so bad. Jerem Jordan. Today game. Uncasville, Connecticut. I am Spencer Linton in Provo, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Jerem, start us off. BYU Hoops received one 25th place vote in the AP poll for one point, coming in at 44th, a.k.a. 19th out. Will the Cougars crack the top 25 in Hoops sometime this season? 
Yes. If BYU gets to 9-2 and two in the non-conference and start conference well, then I think BYU will be a top 25 team at some point this season, hopefully after a big win over our friends at St. Mary's. I value what Lenardi has in bracketology more than I do the rankings. I just don't care. If you're a top five, six seed, you're going to be in the top 25. Think how good BYU basketball was last year. They were in the rankings basically the last three weeks of the season. Three weeks, that's it. So I don't expect it per se, but uh, if BYU does, that's great. They'd be better than I thought. All right, Jaron, BYU basketball adjusting the schedule. Literally on a whim to play St. John's at the Mohegan Sun tomorrow instead of a Thursday game likely against UConn. So does adding St. John's as a second game in as many days make you more excited about the tournament feel or more worried about the back-to-back? I think it's fine. Uh, There's an AAU quality to this entire season. Now, obviously, being here, St. John's played last night against Boston College and won. So they're in the building. Hey, might as well play. And then I believe their game at uh, Texas Tech got canceled uh, later in the week. So they had had more room. Yeah, interesting stuff here, Jerem, as uh, I think about the back-to-back and the difficulties involved. But here's what I do love. Now BYU has an extra day to travel and get ready for a tough road game in Logan. So while it's disconcerting to have to go back-to-back against the likes of USC and St. John's, two quality programs, I think it'll be good for BYU ultimately because they get a day to travel and rest before they have to go to Logan and play Utah State. If BYU can win two of the three games this week, this will be a massive success. So I like this. I like that it has turned out this way. Yeah, BYU get on that bus. They'll hope to avoid RoboCop and Manaway, and they can enjoy starting Canyon like everyone should, right? Yeah. Okay, Zach Wilson is projected as the number two overall pick in the NFL draft by the Athletics. Mark, uh, excuse me, Dane Brugler. If he was drafted that high, do you think he should be on my A-list for the BYU quarterbacks? One million percent, yes. He would be the highest draft pick in BYU football history. Higher than Jim McMahon at number five to the Chicago Bears in the 1982 draft. Yet, this is clear designation. Who cares about the Heisman conversation if Zach Wilson's number two overall in the entire NFL draft? That is a fast track to the A-list. Please tell me you agree with me. Yeah, he's in the carpool lane on that one. He's just right in there. If you're a top five, probably top ten pick, let's be honest. Maybe even top 20. I don't know. Uh, you go to the – just boom. You don't, he, he flies by Max Hall and John Beck and just goes right in there. Just He just does. All right, Jerem, let's stay with football. Will there be a mea culpa or acknowledgement of error from College Football Playoff Committee Chairman Gary Barta today on the College Football Playoff Ranking Show as it relates to BYU's ranking last week to this week? No. There's not going to be. I, I don't see it. They will need justifiable means to really say, hey, BYU really deserves to be in the top ten, and here's why. I doubt that despite all of the criticism they received from every credible national writer and analyst of college football about BYU's lack of being in the top ten, that they will acknowledge that. They could, of course, correct by a couple, but it's not going to be four. They're going to dig in. No, I don't expect an acknowledgement of error in any way, shape, or form. I'm sure he'll say, look, we looked closely again at BYU, and their numbers, like we said last week, are very impressive. 
They'll jump them one spot, but here, here's what the college football playoff committee is going to get let off the hook. Because over the next few weeks, there are just going to be teams above BYU that naturally lose. Iowa State might lose to West Virginia. Wisconsin's going to beat Indiana this week. And so the committee is going to be given the opportunity to bump BYU up just based on other teams losing above them so that they won't have to do it. It's going to take some time. They won't have to come out and say, yeah, sorry, we messed up. It's just going to happen naturally that BYU is going to get back into the top 12 and be around 10 or 11 by, I think, the final college football playoff poll just based on attrition. So, yeah, congratulations, committee. You messed up, but you're going to be given a way out. And there's three more polls, right? The third one being the final. So there's time. Taysom Mills taking criticism from Ryan Russillo and others having not thrown a TD pass yet in two starts. Yet, uh, Saints head coach and best friend of Taysom Mills, Sean Payton, says he can't judge Hill due to the specific game plan against Denver. So will Taysom Mill end the season with more TD passes or TD rushes? Oh, it's clearly going to be rushing touchdowns. He's already got four. Like, are you telling me that Taysom Hill is going to throw five touchdown passes against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday? And then maybe the next, a combined, maybe the next week? No. Taysom Hill is a runner. And when the Saints get in a goal line situation, their offensive line is awesome. They're so good at that power quarterback run off tackle. No, it's going to be more rushing touchdowns, and I'm fine with that. Sean Payton's a really smart coach. Why would he go away from that when no team has been able to stop it? The Falcons couldn't do it. The Broncos have a pretty decent defense. They couldn't stop it. Taysom Hill's going to finish with more rushing touchdowns, and that's just fine. Yeah, and it's actually five, so it's going to be even harder to yeah, get to. Yeah, 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 I agree with you. It's going to be rushing. All right, Jerem. Okay, coming up, top five Tuesday, the best plays of the basketball season so far. Plus, prop picks for BYU-USC today, not tonight. And these choices carry consequences, people. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Yo, December 12th is a super Saturday. Circle it on your Franklin planners. Epic day starts with women's hoots against Boise State, 2 Eastern. BYU football top 100 plays at 4 Eastern. Countdown to tip-off, an hour-long edition prior to the Utah game on BYU TV. Men's hoops in a second-screen experience at 6 Eastern. Cougars against the Utes. Countdown to kickoff at 9 Eastern from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And, of course, the post-game coverage. Dave Blaine, David, Tyler, Spencer, and myself... We're clocking in all day, basically. We'll just be there all day. Cannot wait. If you have plans that day, cancel them and join us. Welcome back to BYU <laughs> Sports Nation, live from Studio B. Jerem Jordan doing his thing in Connecticut as we prepare for non-conference tournament time early in the college basketball season. That's exactly right. Big-time games for BYU coming up today and tomorrow, USC and St. John's. Here's my preview of the matchup between the Cougars and Trojans this afternoon. After three wins in four days, the BYU Cougars ventured over 2,000 miles here to Uncasville, Connecticut to play in the Legends Classic. Tonight, the Cougars play USC, the first resume-building game of the season. You know, obviously we started off 3-0, which is, that's what we wanted, but, but we're ready to play tougher competition. And, uh, you know, we played three great teams at the start, but USC is going to be tough. Their two guards are kind of like ours, and then they're like they're six one, six two, but then they're going six eight, six ten, seven foot. So they just keep going up. They have 
Uh, the UVU grad transfer, of course, is going to be is a part of what they're doing. Uh, they got the Mobley, Mobley brothers, so um, they have a lot of length and a lot of athleticism, especially. So it's going to be really especially on the boards. It's going to be a war. BYU is an underdog in today's game to the 2-0 USC Trojans, who beat Cal Baptist in overtime and Montana. Playing on the road for the first time in a pandemic, BYU has taken every precaution necessary to ensure games can be played. Of course, getting tested right away, going to your rooms, you're quarantining in your rooms until we get the test back, and in the morning testing again, making sure everything's all right, and then quarantine until the rest, results of those coming back. Just double test basically, just to make sure everyone is ready to go just for a practice today. It's definitely, you know, real safe. Um, we're, we're pretty much locked up in our rooms, can't leave the hotel, so... Uh, you know, we're, we're just staying locked in. We, we watched a film session earlier. We had a good practice. We're going we're gonna to watch some film uh, here before dinner and, you know, just, just be as prepared as we can for this UST, USC team. The Cougars came to play not only USC Tuesday, but two quality games. Vanderbilt dropped out of the tournament Sunday with the COVID issue, but BYU has added St. John's from the Big East on Wednesday. It's part of an evolving 2020 schedule. I think this is going to be the reality of the season where games are going to get canceled. Things are going to happen where your schedule is going to get thrown around a little bit. Thankfully, there's some really good teams here, so we keep getting opportunities against good ones, and we're going to leave with two very good games under our belt. Another great team, you know, a Big East team. Um, obviously, they came in late, but that's kind of how this year is going to go, I guess. Alex Barcelo has led the Cougars in all three games in scoring, a role he says he's very comfortable with. I prepared a lot over the summer. I've talked to the coaches a lot. My teammates really trust me. My coaches trust me. And uh, I do feel extremely comfortable with the ball in my hands, and I just want to do anything I can to help this team win. After three dominating victories, BYU now faces back-to-back games and back-to-back days against Ken Palm top 100 teams. We're going to go up against some tougher competition, and, uh, I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting. We want to find out who we are. Indeed they do, because this is an opportunity to put a game on the resume where you say, okay, we got at least this quad two win on a neutral court. Hopefully it's quad one when the season ends, but it's a big one. USC's got some size. BYU's probably got a little bit of an advantage on the guard line, but uh, it's going to be a fun one in a couple of hours. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how BYU matches up with USC, specifically what the Cougars do defensively. Do they go straight man-to-man, or do the Cougars mix up things with some zone to try and combat that size from USC? Really excited to watch this game. All right, Jerem, let's get to our prop picks presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. All right, number one. Let's recap here. Who makes the first three-point play, not just three-point shot for BYU, against Utah Valley? I said it was going to be Connor or Alex Barcelo. Jeremy, you said Connor Harding. We were both wrong. It was Trevin Nell for three with 9.50 to play in the first half. Although Alex was the second to make it, and he took a shot. I thought I had it, man. <laughs> okay, number two. More points for BYU in the first or second half. We both said second half. We were right. 44. It was six more in the second half. BYU turned it on. All right, and at number three, more fouls or offensive rebounds for Caleb Lohner. Woo! By the skin of my teeth here, Lohner had three offensive rebounds and only two fouls, to which I congratulated him after the game, and he raised his arm and said, I know, right? Only two fouls. So I have a two-to-one lead. He told me he was going to get five offensive rebounds. So he still has some work to do, but he he missed one of his own bunnies and got it back, and that was the difference. That was the difference. Come on! (laughs) 
Okay, Jerem, now with a 2-1 to lead, we go into the BYU versus USC prop picks and bring in Ben Bagley. Ben, what do you have for us? All right, guys, we'll start with this with prop pick number one. The question is, who will lead the team in assists today? But it leads us to an interesting stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Kobe Lee currently leads the team with 12, re- 12 assists on the season. I'm a Kobe Lieber. Wow. Who didn't have Colby Lee as the team assist leader after three We all weeks? had that. Come on. We all nailed that one. All right, Jeremy, who, who's going to be the guy that leads the team today? Brandon Averett. I think he'll have an increased role as a distributor today. He will lead the team in assists. I agree with you. It will be Brandon Averett. And just to remind people, we don't oh. know each other's picks until this moment. So we are in agreement, uh, an agreement, rather, Averett with the most assists today. Okay, Ben, number two. This does this no good if we have the same answer? All right, number two. More field goals, fouls, or made free throws for Richard Harward? All right, Jeremy, I'm going to go first here, and I'm going to say made free throws by Richard Harward. I think he's going to get fouled inside, and he's going to make at least four free throws today. Field goals. I think he's going to just get some O boards laying in, baby. Okay. So a difference there. Hallelujah. Ben, number three. All right, last one. Over under 75 points given up by BYU today against USC. I'm going to go over, and I think this is aggressive, but I think because BYU loves to run, and I think USC is going to try and run with BYU, they match up well, that USC will hit at least the 75-point mark. Doesn't mean that BYU is not going to win, but I think USC is going to get to 75 today. I'll go under, mainly for the sake of being different, because it's boring if we have the same answers and there's no point. But I will go under. I think it'll be a grinder, and I think BYU defensively is just awesome today. USC shoots like 42%, and BYU ekes out a single-digit win. Okay, now, we've been mentioning that these prop picks carry consequences. We literally have compiled together the will of consequences and it is in Studio B. <laughs> so based on what happens this week, we will spin this thing and we will have to live out a consequence if we are on the losing side of uh, these prop picks. So <laughs> some weird stuff on there, man. People are like, what in the world? School photo? Co-host choice? Top? Bu- oh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're it's gonna going down. Out. It's going down. It's going down, it's going to get weird, which is kind of the main goal of this show in Workaholics. <laughs> okay, coming up, today's Rise and Shoutouts to close. Plus the top five plays of the BYU basketball season thus far. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Spin that wheel, baby. BYU Sports Nation. What's it going to land on? On demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. What did it land on? I'm so curious. Uh, Download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, give us that five-star review. Like this hotel. Yes, it is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Okay, number five, Matt Harms. First points as a Cougar come on a slam dunk, a slammer like a good game of Pogs. And trade for that one against Utah Valley. Good to have him in that game. He's going to probably start today, I'm guessing. 
Jesse Wade. Nice pass to Matt Harms for the dunk. His first points is good. I love that we can put together a top five just through three games. There have been some outstanding plays at number four. Gavin Baxter. Unfortunately, his season cut short by injury, but not before he could deliver one of the season's top five plays. Baxter, dunk you very much after the Richard Harward miss. You ain't going to miss him, but he'll be back. And according to Coach Pope, better than ever. Yeah, I'm just bummed. Cue the Sarah McLaughlin music. Like, I'm just sad when right? I see Gavin Baxter. Alex. Number, number three, Alex Barcelo finds Matt Harms with a no-look pass Saturday against Utah Valley. My only criticism is get this higher for the slam dunk. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 impressive for sure. Yeah, when you're 7'3", just put it anywhere close to the rim and that thing's going to get done. Yeah, six-inch vertical right there. Let's go, baby. At number two, Trevin Nell with some extra English to finish the up and under. Nell finished with eight points. He was three for three in the game, and it took this shot to stay perfect. Well done, Trevin. A little bit... A little bit of Alex English there. Mm. And the top play of the men's basketball season for three games is Alex Barcelo's buzzer-beating three against Utah Valley to end the first half. Plus, he's got his mean mug on after. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> the expression <laughs> is amazing. So intense. Oh, yeah. A-B for three. Those are the top five plays of the season thus far. Our question of the day now to football. Do you expect the college football playoff committee – to correct their position on BYU this week. Correct. And why? <laughs> no. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. It comes in from Instagram and Patrick Neal, who says, quote, I expect a written apology <laughs> from Gary Barda, an invitation to the Fiesta Bowl, and then a top 10 ranking. Realizes blue goggles were on. In reality, I think BYU will at best go up one to two spots. Hashtag BYUSN. Today's Rise Today's and Shadows. Yeah, Jerem, take us away. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Who do you got? BYU Hoops. The fact that we're here in Connecticut having games, BYU and Bubbleville. We didn't think we'd have games a couple months ago. This is great. Yeah, it's incredible for sure. Mine goes to BYU Equipment. Black uniforms coming on December 12th. They're doing such a nice job promoting this on social media, creating an Woo. excitement and a buzz. Really cool. Our thanks to today's guest, Greg Rebell. Jerem, we're out of time for Dennis Pitta. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout out to Dan Akerfelds. We'll see you tomorrow.